What's going on guys? Welcome to episode 3 of season 2 and we are back this week with another guest and she goes by the name of Dolly. Now Dolly is actually one of Amish's good friends based out in the States I believe and this episode, this podcast is a little bit different to what you're used to hearing. We speak to her and we sit down with her and we talk more about trading, mindset, what it takes to succeed in this industry, right? And the thing that really stuck out to me in this episode was Dolly's upbringing and how it kind of played an effect later on in her life, her mindset, her discipline and her approach just to life and and trading as a whole. I think towards the end of this podcast, I definitely felt a sense of calm come over me. And I believe, I think that was because of Dolly, because she's a real calming presence, it seems like. And I think that's exactly what we all need right now with the market the way it is. So guys, I really hope you enjoy this episode. And here's a little snippet of what to expect. So I came to this conclusion where it isn't quite the dollar amount, more or less the consistency of cash flow, of having some kind of profit come in, some kind of revenue come in to make me feel like, okay, I'm still working. I still see that money being made, whether it's $100 or $1,000, just something to make me feel like I can provide for my family. You need to get a hold of yourself. You're at a high. Just because you've had three, four good trades in a row doesn't mean this next trade's going to work out. You need to trade like this is my last $300. Girls, you need to really accept yourself and be honest with yourself. Take accountability for what you may do or what you're about to do. Because at the end of the day, no one is going to save you but you. So you don't have a choice but to trust yourself. Welcome guys to episode three, Bitcoin currently trading at around about $39,000. And we have the pleasure of being joined by, well, Amish, do you want want to do the honors? Because you know this is one of your good friends. I will, I will, I will. Um, Go for it, bro, go for it. So I'll give you a bit of backstory, right? So Dolly is the name of 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 my good friend. Dolly was in London two years ago, just over two years ago to the day. And we were in Bond Street Station. There's a little cafe, there's a little coffee shop downstairs in the station. And we just had this really very, very insightful conversation. And it was at that point, I thought, if someone was recording this conversation and someone could listen back to it, there would be so much value in it. And I almost, to this day, it's a regret of mine that, well, it's not normal that, you know, you re- record your conversations with your friends. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that that I, I was part of it. It was weird because Dolly was in, in town for a few days and we'd been to some nice restaurants and we'd been to, to Nando's. And I feel she gives a hugely valuable and fresh insight into, you know, trading and I said from, from I think from the first season, I was like, we need to get Dolly on the podcast. So Dolly, I've set you up really nicely here. So the expectations are low, if you like. So do you want to introduce yourself from here? And, and uh, yeah, just, you know, tell tell the guys and the girls a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, so first off, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate being here. So I'm Dolly. A little bit about me. I think most people can relate to this. I came from nothing. I had nothing, absolutely nothing. You're talking about having immigrant parents come over and trying to find this. So I'm American-based, right? So the American dream. And clearly, uh, a lot of it is around finances to be financially stable and just to meet the basic needs. I mean, safety and security, right? I would say my first job came at 13. 
So to understand the value of a dollar, the value of hard work, and to really do a lot of, at that point in time, self-work. So here I am trying to figure out my life at 13 and how to help my family pay bills, right? I think a lot of that is where mentally life started to change for me. But I, I didn't act on it until maybe in my early 20s. So from there on, I did what everyone else did, high school, university, and then I found trading. It's funny. I found trading because I was in some math class. Uh, terrible at it, funny enough. And I was over it. I was like, okay, how can I graduate without finishing this math class? <laughs> and that is, so I decided to Google how to make money without going to college. And <laughs> here I am. <laughs> so what was the first job you had at 13? The first job, so uh, my family opened a business. And it was so tough to have a family business, to not know anything about management, to finances, to how to order inventory from like wholesale. And so you're trying to walk yourself through this, figure it out, figure out that life is a lot harder than it looks. And to think that, okay, well, maybe when I'm 18, I'll, I'll get my life together. And then when you're 18, and then you're like, okay, so when I'm 19, I'll get my life together. And you realize that you never really get it together. <laughs> so from 13, I um, worked with my family up until 18. And then I worked in uh, Petro for about a year. And just little odd things here and there while, while in school. Terrible, by the way. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> Interesting. Just to go back to what you were saying earlier on about being exposed to like your family's finances at a young age. How, how do you think, do you think that really motivated you to become the kind of person you are now kind of going through all that? You know, absolutely. I think mm. without that struggle, especially to be 13 and to be the eldest in the family, right? The eldest child in the family mm. to feel the burden of carrying your, your family's financial weight because the finances run a lot deeper than just finances and, and paying the bills. You're talking mm -hmm. about having a solid family dynamic, you know, mm -hmm. whether or not your parents will stay together or not, because, you know, regardless of what people say of money, not being everything true, it may not be everything, but it's a huge part of daily life. Mm -hmm. And being 13 and learning about all of this, it was just some, some epiphany I had that if I'm not financially set and stable, this is not going to work. Like my, there would be no business. There would be no house. There would be no cars. I won't go to college. I guess not that I finished anyway, but it's one of those moments that sparks this, this drive. I would say this drive and mm. this hunger to want more, to be more, to do more. If that makes sense. Mm. No, I, I can kind of relate with, to that as well just having a similar kind of family dynamic and kind of seeing that kind of your family kind of struggle with the finances themselves as well. And um, it's not easy to go through. And I think in some way I may have had it a little bit easier than you because you were exposed to that at 13 years old, which is, I, I couldn't even imagine what you went through, to be honest with you. That, that's pretty incredible. Mm, yes. Um, you know, even though it was rough at the time, there yeah. are also some good moments too, yeah. because you realize that there are people along the way to help you and even not 
to directly hold your hand and coddle you. It's to let you fall once or twice and let you learn these lessons within a safe space. If that yeah. you know makes sense. Yeah. There are times where I've given the wrong amounts of change and people, most people are honest and they'll like, they'll be like, Oh, um, how about you try counting again or don't worry, no pressure. And it, it was just um, a good experience, a good life experience. Yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. What do you guys think about what she said just before around about does money buy happiness? What do you guys think about that? Because it's such a cliche thing, right? So what I, what I was thinking about when I was listening to you, you know, tell your story is about one, like Dylan said, how you started at a young age. My question is from like kind of the American perspective, it was it. do you think it was about the country of moving here that brought out the spirit of want to pursue something through capitalism? Because like you said, as far as like you Googled how to make money without going to college. So of course that had to be before that age came about. Like, do you think living in America or just living in a different country from where your parents were had a lot to do with that? Or do you feel like that was just something that was just in you as a person that you felt like you would have done anyway? You know, that is a really great question. I I would say I would say that it, it was something that's always kind of been in me, not so much instilled, but one of those things where you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. But just just for me, every day seemed like a make it or break it. Every day, I would try to find the next dollar. I would try to do what I could do to be a part of the family unit culturally to help, but also mm-hmm. I felt like it was my responsibility. I'm not exactly sure if it was because it was like a very capitalistic mind Mm -hmm. it was more of survival yeah where you feel like you had to do it or basically there was no other option right so it was all in or nothing basically yeah so so last thing i'm gonna ask you this last small question did you feel like when you started out did you feel like you had a monetary amount that you're like, okay, when I get to this monetary amount, I feel like I'll be okay or I feel like I'll be accomplished or I can help my family. But do you feel like it's just an unlimited amount where you feel like you'll always pursue the next dream or chase the next level of success for yourself? Yeah, you know, that's that's really funny that you asked that. I actually recently had that thought and I was questioning, uh, well, from the beginning, right? So when I had the thought, I was thinking, how much do I need or do I want, you know, for me to be that, to feel like everyone is taken care of, to feel like I'm in a financially safe and stable place. And I thought, okay, so how's a hundred thousand? No, no. Like that's not even close. No, I don't want to do that. A million. I still don't feel like that's good enough. So I came to this conclusion where it isn't quite the dollar amount, more or less the consistency of cash flow, of having some kind of uh, profit come in, some kind of revenue come in to make me feel like, okay, I'm still working. I still see that money being made, whether it's $100 or $1,000, just something to make me feel like I can provide for my family. Gotcha. So yeah. As long as you had some profits coming in and some cash flow, that was enough, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Great answer. That's a great answer. I love that. I love it. Before we move on, Dolly, I just want to ask quickly, what is, is what's Dolly short for? Is, is it short for something? 
Oh, is Dolly your name? Oh, it's just Dolly. It's just Dolly. Oh, really? Okay, okay. I love that. Okay. I thought it was just like, I thought it was short for something. But okay, no, I love that, Dolly. Okay, cool. Let's go back into your trading a little bit because you touched on it when you gave your kind of a background into yourself. How did you how did you get into trading properly? And what, what was your kind of first kind of, what did you think of the trading industry? So um, when I first started, I, I think it was a scam. <laughs> Let me start there. As do we all. As do I wonder we all. why you thought that. I wonder why you thought that. <laughs> well, you know, all these ads just pops up and you can't help but click on them, right? It's uh, yeah. something about make a million dollars in a week. <laughs> so aside from that, you, you realize that this is a moment to be taken seriously. And that there are a lot of scams out there, not because I knew at the time, just because it seems logical that there would be, right? So the best thing, well, the first thing that I heard, I took, I, I went on YouTube and I took a, I don't know, a couple of weeks to go online and search up some names, this and that. And a lot of them said the same thing, these gurus, these uh, specialists. And they said, I, started on my own. I'm self-taught. Uh, everything I, I know, I did it myself. So I thought, okay, okay. If they can do it, I can do it. Right? Simple enough. <laughs> I strapped on my boots and I started Googling, YouTubing. I was Googling Fibonacci and support and demand, just like the basic things. If I didn't understand this word, I would Google it. I would apply it here. And I found myself in this rabbit hole for about four months straight, 18 hours a day. And I didn't really eat, didn't really sleep. And I was just fascinated. Just staring at charts all day, pretty much, right? Just trying to understand what yeah. the candlesticks mean. And I went through a similar thing. And I think I pro- probably Amish and Coring, I'm sure you guys went through something similar as well. In the beginning, when I first obviously came across trading, like, like Dolly said, you, you kind of, you understand the basics, support, resistance, bit of Fibonacci maybe, but you're just obsessed with the, just these yeah. candlesticks and like That's these the patterns word. and like what what's going on. You're just obsessed. Obsessed is the word. I think that's the word. I, I know that I, I hate it when this word obsessed is thrown around because it's such a disservice to people who actually understand it and understand what the definition and the depth of that word is. I think you have to be not just engrossed, but obsession is, you know, it's, it's all you can, there's definitely a period when you start off, maybe in your first six months where that's all you think about. That's all your, you know, it's always at the forefront of your, your thought processes. And all you want to do is just find out more and just learn and learn and learn. Yeah. When I said, when I, when I said obsessed just then, like you kind of reacted almost in like a, how, how do you perceive that word? Like, do, do you, does, does obsession come across as like a bad word or a good word to you? That's for anybody, anyone. I'll jump in on the obsession real quick, right? Because the first time I really understood, you know, what it would take, not just for trading, right? But just for, to be successful in entrepreneurship or anything where you, you know, undertake a certain task on your own. The term obsession first really rung a positive bell for me when I read uh, Think and Grow Rich, right? Mm-hmm. And they mentioned in there that you have to have a white hot obsession about what it is that you do to actually accomplish it. Right. And I feel like everybody who does something at a high level, kind of, you know, whether it be crypto, whether it be you play basketball, football, any sport, 
any actor, actress, or anything that you reach the top five to one percent, you know, what you do, I feel like you have to be obsessed with it. And you don't really, you know, get to a point where you're doing what you love if you're not really obsessed, right? And so I feel like it has and has had a negative connotation. But I feel like that connotation is removed when you're actually doing what you love. So then I think it actually goes from like a negative to a positive because there is, you know, sometimes a thing is too much of a good thing. But when you actually love what you're doing and you would do it regardless, whether it would be for money or not, you know, I feel like obsession does turn it around and have a positive connotation to it. Bang on, man. Bang on, bro. Definitely. Okay, Dolly. So you, you kind of told, told us like through your, the, your kind of beginning of entering the trading industry and things like that. What was the moment, and this, this is a question that Amish likes to ask a few people a lot as well. What was the moment that you realized that, okay, I get this, this is it? You know, that is still very hard for me to answer because there are days that I, I feel like I know what I'm doing and I don't know what I'm doing. But the, the moment that it happened for me, I had a couple of moments, but this one, I was trading at the time uh, to learn, right? I started with uh, point, it was point 0.1 and I think I made like 70 bucks or something. And then something just turned in my head and I thought, okay, so this is a small lot. Imagine what a larger lot would look like, right? And then you just keep the trade, keep everything the same. And then you just increase your uh, lot sizes and you still maintain risk. So theoretically, everything should still be the same, but you're just using larger numbers. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a really profound moment for me. And once these thoughts and ideas started uh, to connect, I just realized that everything in you know, the trading aspect is intertwined intertwined with life, intertwined with who I am as a person, and that every aspect, every part of me, all of the hardships, all of the um, the nonsense in my life that I've ever gone through thinking that I would never make it out, I see it unfold before me within the chart. And it's just amazing because I feel like, as cliche as this might sound, you know, I, I feel like I just pour my soul into this because what I see is a huge reflection of me on there because all of this is my mentality, right? That's a beautiful way to describe it. I love that. I absolutely love it. So <laughs> what's your what's your what's your opinion on females in the industry currently? Because I could probably count on one hand how many good female traders I know and you you're definitely you've been added to that today, probably. But yeah, well what's your take on how females are perceived in the industry? You know, this this is all personal opinion. I don't know many females in the industry, but the ones that I do know, uh, they they can trade. Um, yes. They're, they're exceptional. Yeah, for and sure. However, there clearly there aren't many of us, and there are fakes and frauds out there that may not trade, or you know, but and so so are others as well. It's, it's really hard to gauge who is real and who is not in the industry, especially. Mm. Um, with some of my female friends starting their own platforms and courses and trying to bring other traders, but specifically geared more towards females to, I guess, break the class feeling of a 
fairly male-dominated industry. And it's really yeah. nice to see. It definitely is. Yeah, it is. Quick question, just then, just then, what you were talking about. Have you ever have you ever taken a course, or were you just fully self-taught? Uh, I'm, I'm fully self-taught. But, fully self-taught. Uh, okay. I have bought some courses just to compare notes and yes. see if I'm on the right track. I honestly am very terrible with following directions and very lazy with having people tell me what to do. So I'd rather do it on my own. I'm very hard-headed, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's I cool. um, I'll really quickly say this. Right, so I've kind of followed I, I don't know that's what I, was, I don't know where I actually came across your page but it was like maybe like maybe like two years ago or a year or so ago when I was actually like trading forex right and I don't know maybe it was through like seeing Amish follow someone who was like in America or something like that where I came across it and I followed like your trading style right and for me when I was getting started I, you know, of course, I felt like I needed a course, I needed books, I needed other people who were involved in the industry. But watching you and like watching how you would trade, I felt like as a as a female trader, you had a tremendous amount of discipline because I felt like you didn't really take a lot of outside influences to come up with your own like technical analysis, right? And so I felt like, okay, well, you had your own process, but you didn't really, like I said, take any outside knowledge or outside things. And it really, the discipline showed over time. Like you say, you use like a 0.1 lot size and then you would go up. But then even with your trades, you would monitor them and then you would come back and say, well, this is what worked and this is what didn't work. Where does that discipline, I think, in your trading, especially if like in 100% respect to technical analysis alone, where do you feel like that like comes from or what made you be like, okay, I don't want to really listen to any too much outside noise. I want to take what I have and what I understand and make it work for me. Where did that really come from? You know, a lot of it started in, in my young years of being financially unstable and not having anything, right? So the, the moment that I did start trading, I that was my first test of discipline. Um, because at the time, I did give up money, and I could have thrown it all in. But realistically, that made zero sense. So I thought, okay, so how much does one make in a week? Like, how much of a paycheck should someone throw in? And so I threw in a week's worth, so maybe like $300 at the time. And I told myself, look, so this 300 it can either be gone to waste, or I can find some methodical way to learn. And if I did it this way, then it wouldn't be a waste, right? As long as I come out, whether I made or lost any money, it's, it's just to learn. And as long as I come out with some kind of lesson, it's, it's worthwhile to me. So that was, my, that was my first test. And then based off of that, I started to really grow and really understand my own mind. And I would tell myself, okay, so if you do this, if you choose to do something this way, does the risk make sense? If I only have $300 and I decide to go 50-50, who knows if it goes up, goes down to 50-50, will that make sense? No. So I trade, I take every trade in stride, but also I make sure that there's purpose to it. I make, I make sure that, hey, like, you need to get a hold of yourself. You're you're on a high. 
just because you've had three, four good trades in a row doesn't mean this next trade's going to work out. You need to trade like this is my last $300. So I think a lot of it started from just the financially insecure days, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does for sure. For sure. Seems like a lot of kind of the trader that you've become now. Like you seem very mature as as a trader and very kind of you you've got your head screwed on. Like just just even like you were saying just then, you know, you put three hundred pounds into a trading account, whereas most people would have just put it all into a trading account straight away. That's 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 kind of the majority of the stories that I've come across, right? And um, a lot of people just go all in with their money into a trading account first without actually thinking about what's what the end result could potentially be. Whereas you, you actually weighed it up and said, okay, this could either go to waste completely, 300 pounds could be gone, or you could make some money and learn some lessons from it as well. So yeah. And, and, and again, it just, it just always keeps going. I hate to kind of keep going back to this because it seems like it was a little bit of a potentially an uneasy time for you, but I, I do think it's rooted from 13 year old Dolly. You know, I, I do agree with that. Um, I, I, don't think that it's a bad thing. I, I look back oh, at no, my not at all, not at all. And yeah, like like how grateful am I to have such a great support system in the process and to build off of this point in life and become the person that I am now. It's just very overwhelming to think about. Happen to pay back my dues to them. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, Amish, any thoughts? It's so funny because I always say that when traders talk to each other, they never talk about trading. So <laughs> I can't remember the last. Yeah, I'm like, obviously, I knew a lot about. I knew a lot of the stuff about Dolly, and I really admire the. You know, the, I think for me the the discipline aspect, yeah. because for me it's not only. I think probably what she shares on her on her social media is the amount of time she spends waiting for a setup. And I think that's probably the, you know, we used the the test cricket example where it's not the, you know, you have to leave however many balls and wait for that kind of opportunity to come. So I think the discipline is is, is definitely shone out throughout the times. Do you think, just covering a couple of things that you've already said, do you feel that females are generally greater disciplined? And so that's probably why they can manage things a bit better. I I would say that, Oh, everyone's minds are wired a little bit differently. And I think specifically for the female mind, there there is a little bit more patience involved. But also, and this is speaking on, on you know myself at this point, that when you're entering a very male saturated industry, you don't want to fail. I mean, no one wants to fail, right? But it's more like we want to show you that we can do it too. And I think the way that our minds are wired uh, is a great advantage to us. But also, I, I do think that it depends on the individual as well. Because, you know, in this industry, it takes a lot of discipline, patience, accountability. And I think that starts with just the, the basics of your core as a person. And then you build off of that uh, each, each lesson. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. So just, just that, as Amish was kind of touching on just then, how do you, and this, and this will be great for our listeners as well, I think, to take some good nuggets away in advice. How do you kill time waiting for a trade? Like, obviously, it seems like you're quite a patient trader. So obviously, as, as a trader, you'll know you, you have to wait for the position, the entry to come to you. It's, it's, there's no good in rushing into the trade. So how do you kill time and wait for that to happen? You know, I used to find myself pulling up MT4 every five minutes, <laughs> thinking that I would miss entry or something. 
And there would be times where I would miss entry, where I would miss a trade. If if I was in a trade and it takes off uh, good or bad, I, I wouldn't pay attention to it. And I would find myself doing very mundane things, just cleaning and, and taking my mind away from the charts. But mm. I was still very much within the charts still. So I don't find myself having to pull myself as hard away from the charts anymore because I've gotten to this point where I trust my analysis completely, completely. Yeah. And if I decide to check up on it, it's, you know, probably been a couple of hours, a few hours. And I all of a sudden remember that I'm in a trade or, Oh, Hey, so I know news is going to break out, whether this takes me to profit or I should take partial profits, move stop and let it do what it should do. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's just, that's just where I'm at. So just living life, trusting, trusting your own analysis, trusting how far that you've gotten yourself, you know? Yeah. Just that belief in yourself, right? That self-belief. That's what I was going to ask. Right. Because I'll be honest, like when, when I was like, learning trading or, you know, when I first got started and then I actually got, I would never say proficient. I'll just say, let's say half decent, right? What I would realize a lot of the times is even when I would like back, back test different trades or different things that I would come up with, a lot of the times I would feel like I had an issue with trusting my own analysis, right? So of course, it's mm-hmm. like you always look back and be like, okay, well, this trade played out but if I had taken it, this what could have happened or blah, blah, blah. So it's like, what when you come to trusting your analysis, do you think that trusting your analysis and trading has a direct correlation with trusting yourself as a person and the decisions that you make? Or do you think that you become a different person when you're on the charts? Or do you think, like I said, is it is it all directly correlated? You know, I do think that they are correlated. I think a lot of this, is self-worth, self-growth, and the more that you can trust yourself, and not just self-worth and self-growth, you need to really accept yourself and be honest with yourself. Take accountability for what you may do or what you're about to do, because at the end of the day, no one is going to save you but you. So you don't have a choice but to trust yourself. And when you're talking about throwing in an insane amount of money to try to make more off of it, or even just a little bit, but it's all that you have, you have to trust yourself. Mm, I think accountability yeah. is a big thing. Accountability is massive because a lot of people, when they lose a trade, they'll blame, I don't know, they'll blame the market. They'll be like, oh, the market's manipulated, this, that, this, that. No, it's you. You took the trade. You pressed the buy button or the sell button. Okay. Take, take yeah. accountability for it. That's to you. For sure. Because right. you're going to take your accountability when you get it right, you know? So Exactly. 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 <laughs> right. you know <laughs> I mean? exactly. How, do you, how do you guys deal with, like, just, just as I asked Dolly, how do you two deal with killing time waiting for trades or while you've got a trade running, waiting for it to hit TP? How do you kind of, how do you remain patient? Me personally, real quick, 100% anxiety. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. <laughs> and I was actually uh, talking about this the other day where I think like I would say being honest I would say okay I'd say maybe I'd say let's just call it four years in the trading game right if I say four years in the trading game I would say now I'm just probably getting to the point where not only do I trust myself and my analysis but in those times where, you know, you have to, like you say, kill time or do something different, you have to realize that 
you know, the charts are nothing but a compilation of candlesticks, right? And a compilation of different things moving buy and sell prices during certain time frames, right? So if you look at four hour weekly, daily, hourly, whatever you decide to look at, whatever time frame you're trading, for me, it was a point where I was like the person always looking at the charts. But I think when I got to a point where the capital began to reach different levels that I was like, all right, maybe I'm not so invested because I don't have so much pressure on me to get it right, right? So I think the more experience, I just would say doing it over and over and over again and realizing that anything that you do in the beginning, you kind of have to like put your foot on the gas with it. So when it came to like, it just would be experience is how I feel like I got to a point I would even feel comfortable taking time, you know, just the way, because if you listen to like earlier when she says like, I went through 18 hour days for maybe four months straight. Like, Mm. I feel like we all go through that point where it's like, no one really wants to tell you. Yes. We stared at church. Yes. We kept trading view open. Yes. We check MT4 every five minutes. Like that's where we were. But the confidence over time, I think, is where we get to a point where like, all right, I can actually go hang out with my friends and not check my phone. I can hang out and do something fun that I really like to do without making trading the top priority of my day. So I think it's just like an experience thing. And then you fill the gap with time with however you decide to do that. That's a, that's a great point, man. It's a great point. Amish, what about you, man? I know you're not too much of a day trader anymore. No, I'm not. Literally exactly what Corian said. I remember the, the one time that really stuck out to me, I think it was quite early on, where I'd put a trade on, went into town, which is about five minutes away, parked my car. And by the time I walked from one end to the street, the other, I checked MT4 three times in, in about four minutes. <laughs> and I realized that this is not a sustainable way of thinking living. or living or living. Yeah. yeah. And so I realized, I think quite early on that, okay, I need to be able to manage how I act and how I feel during a trade. And again, I think it comes down to experience and it comes down to, I think when you're in the back of your mind, when you know you're not hundred percent on a setup, that's when you start checking it a little more frequently. Whereas I think with experience, you realize that when you know that you would take that trade over and over again, if it plays out, which it should do great. If it doesn't, then I would do that, you know, the same thing again, if, if the same setup came next week. So I just think it's it's experience. You have to do it a couple of thousand times just to kind of just to become numb to it almost. You know, I think you have to you have to when you do things, you know, it's like it's as Dolly would know, it's like when you buy something nice, it's great the first couple of times. When you do it a couple of thousand times, the novelty wears off and and you know, the more you do something, the less of an impact it has. Yeah, just just do it over and over again. And then I think really quickly also like to piggyback on the fact of like, you know, checking MT4 or whatever, you know, trading platform that you use over and over and over. A lot of that now be completely 100% transparent. And I know most traders go through this, but not many will admit this. You are, for the most part, probably over leveraged. You have way more skin in the game than you should. You're risking more money than you should. And so by you being actually attached emotionally to the result of whether you win or lose this trade, I think that's where the redundance of checking the charts and everything else comes in. Right. So when we're first figuring it out and it's like, okay, well, maybe I have a one to four, whatever that one is 
are you really okay with losing that? Are you really okay with risking that? And I think that's where it comes into, you know, with how we handle how often we look at the charts. How much are you really actually willing to risk and lose comfortably? And I think we always overshoot that number because we pay attention to the reward side more than we do the risk. Mm-hmm. Great point. Great point. Again, great conversation as well. I'm really enjoying this. Okay. It wouldn't be the Crypto Circle podcast if we didn't talk about crypto or Bitcoin. I think we only might have, I think we mentioned Bitcoin once, guys, which is unlike us for 40 minutes in. <laughs> but Dolly, your opinion on crypto, your opinion on Bitcoin. I'd love to hear it. So here's the thing. I don't know anything about this, truly. <laughs> None of us do. Don't worry um, about I do it. Believe. <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> I, I do believe that it's here to stay. And this is just all self-belief. I, I do have to put in some more work as well. But if you think about it, currency has always gone through changes. You know, mm. humanity has evolved over many, many years. And so has the way that we barter, the way that we choose to buy, sell, fiat, whatever you want to call it. Because we, we started off bartering, right? And then we moved to gold. And then we decided gold is hard to get our hands on. So now we have silver. Now we have paper currency. And now we back that with gold. And then we back it with petrol. And so it doesn't sound, when you walk through the timeline, it does not sound so absurd to be in this crypto phase, if that makes sense. Mm. 100%, 100%. Because I think if you really look at it, we've only been under the, the dollar regime for around about 20 years, just over 20 years, which... Really, if you look back at, ev- at the evolution of money, it's not really a long period of time. Most most kind of assets, gold and what, what whatever came before that, it, it lasted roughly between 15 and 20 years, each kind of regime. So the dollar does seem like it's coming, based on history, the dollar does seem like it's coming to the end of its tenure, should we say, as the kind of reserve asset of the world. Yeah, no, I think spot on, you know, the one thing about fiat, currency as as to be used as reserve it's got a hundred percent failure rate and the US dollar is is right on right on track to maintain that tradition. So yeah again like Dolly said, you know, it, it looks like it's it's the beginning of the end, should we say on, on multiple fronts. Dolly, I remember when we were talking a couple of years ago, you're I mean you were quite I don't want to say heavily involved, but you, you had an experience of the last sort of the top of the last bull run. Do you see any similarities of, of that time to what's happened so far this year? Or do you feel that we're not, not quite at that level yet? Um, you know, I don't quite feel like it's time. Not that we're in a bear market, but that it's still not time. So maybe a period of consolidation, if you will. Because a lot of this has to do with still integrating, right? Still having people on board. And it's just, a, it's just a matter of time. So you see that there are these large companies and even my uh, own friends as well, shifting at least 5% of their entire life's worth into crypto, which is specifically Bitcoin, which is really interesting for me to see. And that's actually what made me more curious, if you will, about researching further into this. Only 5%. I think you need to tell them to, to up that a little bit. <laughs> We're all hundred. We're all hundred percent in, yeah, right here, yeah, Dolly. Five percent, Dolly. What are you talking about? Rookie numbers. Uh, honestly, do you think? Do you see yourself maybe doing the same in the future, potentially, or do you think you'll go away 
probably between now and the end of the year and really look more into crypto and Bitcoin? So I use a lot of my free time for, let me not lie to you, shopping and research. So shopping when I'm bored and then research. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have brought it up. I would have brought it up. Don't, don't worry. I can I can see you segueing into that. Yeah, no, we, we're going to cross that bridge in a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Do you see yourself kind of looking more into crypto over the next kind of six months or kind of following your friends' trends by putting like 5 to 10% of their net worth into crypto? Yes. Yes, I do. Because for me, although it's still unknown territory, uh, I look at it as opportunity cost, right? So what's the opportunity cost of this in 10 years? How much am I willing to risk? And it goes back to that opportunity cost, that risk Mm -hmm. management, that am I willing to... Let's, let's say, you know, you have an extra um, couple thousand or something laying around. Mm-hmm. Am I willing to just sit on this and have it depreciate over time? Or would I rather take this and let's see if it turns into something else? Because I have the ability to lose that. Others may not. But that's something that I think is, is just it's going to shape the world. I, I truly do mm. feel and believe that. It's just a matter of now putting in the extra time and research to confirm it. Mm. And if I can't find confirmation for it, I still have an extra couple thousand to lose. So why not? I'm surprised you haven't already. You know, you got you got you got Amish crypto circle king right here. He's not he's not he's not put, he's not put you on. Do- Dolly has moved to New well, York. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and and Dolly is is out there with the. I, I introduced Dolly to a very close personal friend of mine, who I used to go to school with, and have moved to New York. And Dolly, do you want do you want to finish this story, or should, or should I give my perspective on it? Let's hear your perspective. I have no idea what your perspective is. So if you think I go out to nice restaurants and stuff, these guys make me look like um, (laughs) amateur, shall we say. Because there's they go to places I've not even heard of, and I don't know if it's, I don't know the the full story because I've still yet to to join them, but the gifts that these guys seem to give each other... It's my birthday next month. So, you know, it's all our birthdays next month, actually. So just just putting that out, into, just putting that out there. It's actually, um, my, it's actually my birthday in six days. So uh, I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate oh, it. it six, six days. It is, it is, it is. So just because of COVID and stuff, because I know you get, you like to, to travel a lot, how has it affected, well, it hasn't, insulted, I know you've adapted very well, but how does it affected your sort of day-to-day and kind of filling time as someone who likes to, you know, be, covering all corners of the globe if you like how has the last year affected almost like your mental kind of viewpoint if you like in you know managing your time and managing trades and and has it has have you felt that having a little more free time has actually been counterproductive in in your actual trading or have have you kind of adapted really well yeah so actually taking it back to 2020 when things just first began i was coming back from asia and I think I made it back two weeks before the borders closed and they called it a pandemic at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so like, it'll be, it'll be fine. Right. We'll just, we'll all get over it. It'll be fine. And I was thinking, okay, I'll I'll go home and I'll rest up. I'll get back into my time zone. I'll, I'll hit New York session really hard and I'll go back to my routine, wake up, make some coffee the normal stuff, right? And once this happened, the pandemic broke out, my routine was just 
thrown into this terrible storm that put me in terrible headspace and without good headspace, right? Without a clear and conscious mind, without feeling settled. It was very difficult for me to find a new routine to be able to do what I do. And so you realize, okay, even when there's a pandemic and I don't have a typical job, a nine to five, if you will, I still have my own struggles. And you have to create that place for yourself because it all starts mentally. So for me, instead of traveling, instead of clearing my mind through um, travels and sites and experiences, especially experiences, I started to garden. You know, I think most people did. But it was a good way for me to have an out, right? So even if I had a loss, even if things didn't work out for me, analysis didn't work out, maybe trades weren't happening, I couldn't see any type of setup, I would just be patient, just continue being patient. And, and in that time that I was growing these little vegetables and this and that, it was really remarkable for me to to track time in that way, in a sense. You know. So I would see my, my plants growing and they're just nurturing, cultivating. And there are moments where it's just so peaceful internally that I just told myself, okay, you know, today's the day. Let's, let's see if we can buy any trades in the market and we'll just, we'll just go with it. Because without having a safe space for yourself and out that, that can be a good reset for you. There's so much chaos in the world, especially with all that going down in the news where TVs are off. It's still so much internal chaos. The balance was just shifted or that was just completely thrown, actually. So to be able to just do small things like that and now that things are opening up again, just small date nights with my friends. Um, it's, it's a really small, good small date nights. With your small, small date nights. Okay. <laughs> Corian, Corian, if you want to know the definition of the word extravagant, then yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's extravagant. I got it's, my after, It's after extravagant, extravagant. Yeah, you've got to go to if you're if you're in New York, if you get into New York. <laughs> sorry, Dolly, I, I just uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no worries, no worries. Yeah. I, I, I have a question. <laughs> Is, no, 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 don't worry. There's plenty more to come. Uh, it's so funny because mine and Dolly's conversations and are just memes and cartoons. And I'm surprised you haven't yeah. emphasized the amount of time you watch. You spend watching cartoons to pass time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, thanks to my childlike spirit that keeps me young and fresh. That's all I can say to that. And I had one more question. James, who I don't, I think you're familiar with James, but I don't think you've, spoke, you've spoken to him. He also really enjoys growing his own plants. So I'm wondering, is, are we missing something? Is there a direct correlation between <laughs> understanding the charts better and, and kind of growing your own vegetables and, and plants and stuff? Because that's probably where we're going wrong, you know? I think that's where we're going wrong, mate. I think I, think I, need, to get, I, think I need to get a tomato well, patch in my, yeah. my garden or something. Dolly, do you, you don't have a dog, do you? Do you, do you have a dog? Do you have dogs? I, I don't have I, I don't have time for, for uh, anything really. So <laughs> <laughs> I say that, but I've been home for the past year. And how, how does how does traveling keep you? Do you trade certain time? Uh, sorry, sessions or how does traveling generally affect routine? Because I know you spend a lot of time jet lagged, and and I don't give you a lot of sympathy because it's 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 a lifestyle you choose to live, but. <laughs> 
How does that work outside of COVID times? So prior to, my jet lag would be terrible. But at this point in time, I'm, I'm well-adjusted. It's just a matter of what session I'm creating. So if I'm... These days, I've been favoring London. So normally, um, I'll follow something like the Euro, Euro, USD. I'll follow it for a few weeks, and then I'll, I'll take what trades I see when I don't see anything. I just don't touch it. But I would say... I'd call it for three, four weeks. So in those three, four weeks, I'm actively awake when you're awake. <laughs> and then, you know, I may move to something else. And I, I know, I know, I've been told many times, but my sleep habits are terrible. However, it works. <laughs> so I spend maybe 16 to 20 days on, and then I crash for maybe three days, and then I'll reset. And I'll either take a after the reset, or then I'll hop into another session, depending depending on the setup and what I see and what pair. I think all I think all <laughs> traders have that problem, right? This the sleep problem. I think, I think all traders are insomniacs. Every single one. And, of them. I, and what's funny is that's like the like you know I've talked about this before. You know a lot of people are like, well, why do you wake up at two, three, four in the morning? I'm like, well, right. you know, if you train in London session in America, you kind of have no choice, right? Because by right, the time right. we by the time we really wake up in New York or they even wake up in California, y'all are almost pretty much done for your day, right? So all the decisions of the world's global markets have already been decided by the time some people yeah. wake up for breakfast, you know? If, if you want it, you'll take the time to do it, right? We'll go through the insomnia to get the job done. Yeah, I say, so, so it's a good point, actually. Us, us, us UK are spoiled in that sense because, yeah, London session starts at, what, 8 o'clock for us, 8 a.m.? And then by yeah. 5, 5 p.m. UK time, everything that's going to have happened has will have pretty much happened within the markets, right? And we haven't even went to lunch yet over here, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, right. Korea, Korean's waking up and getting it, getting it in the gym, man. Getting it in the gym <laughs> first thing in the morning. And, and, and that, that's really where all that comes from. It's not like I just, like, I was always a person, and we've talked about this before, like, I'm always a person that wakes up early, but a lot of it is, like, a lot of post-traumatic trading you know what I'm saying? Like disorders from having to wake up at <laughs> three, four in the morning, you know, because even sometimes I tell people like, you know, even when we have conversations about stuff and it's like, all right, well, you and Dylan have had a conversation but by the time I wake up, all the decisions are made. So I'm just like, all right, yeah, I agree with it. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Right. So it's, just, it's just it's just how it goes. It's like I have no choice. Right. I love it, bro. I love it. Cool, Dolly. So just to kind of wrap up now, because I think we've been going for like just, just under an hour, maybe. Your final three, let's just say three, because five is a lot. Three tips for any budding young trader or what, someone wanting to be a trader. So I would say don't listen to outside noise. If you feel like what you're doing is right, it's right. Mm-hmm. And you just have to keep holding yourself accountable and hold yourself on, on this pedestal almost because you have to trust yourself no one's going to save you hmm. and i think that's that's uh, one of one of my first ones my second one know what you're doing before you do it you know let, let yourself fail uh, let yourself learn but at the same time before you really go big to take small steps because you know each small step will lead into a much larger step just it's a matter of being patient and and being forgiving of yourself 
So if there's no rush, if, if it's meant to work out, it will work out. Hmm. And it, it'll only work out when you take the time to let it work out. Last one, just go for it. Just go for it. Just go, yeah. There, there is I nothing. Yeah. 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 I think that second point really, really kind of resonates with me and kind of, especially over the last couple of years, the whole concept of failing fast. If you're going to fail, do it quickly because you can, mm-hmm. the, the, quick, the quicker you fail, the quicker you can get back up and get back on that horse again. Right. A lot of people kind of, they get, obviously the, the whole concept is people are scared of failure that either they'll come into something new, like trading or whatever it is, a new job or anything, and they'll be scared to fail. So therefore they'll be holding themselves back from doing a certain thing or being themselves maybe. Whereas the failure should be embraced in, in, in a culture on social media where everything's, where everything's perfect. And, you know, when we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to fail at all or look stupid because we'll get trolled by, by someone on the internet that we don't even know. Right. Yeah. We need to, we need to embrace I, failure. I would, I would say a lot of my uh, mistakes, my failures, my shortcomings were the biggest learning lessons that has made me into a uh, much better trader than I was, mm. you know, the day before. And mm. without it, I, I don't think I would ever be here at this point. Mm. Final question, actually, do you just, just because I just said it just then, do you pay a lot of do you pay a lot of attention to social media or do you try to block that whole world out? You know, I used to. I, I used to be very very up to speed with the kids, right? But <laughs> eventually you, you realize that everything is just just nonsense. It's just extra noise, insecurities, it, uh, and and not just not just physical you know, appearances, insecurities, but when you pull up I have a few friends that trade and, and I follow some other pages as well. But when you see that someone posts some analysis and it may not align with yours, you start having self-doubt. Yeah. That's the biggest so, thing. Yeah. And it's hard because it's very relatable because everyone wants to be right. Right. But only yeah. a finite amount of us are going to make it. And I would say in terms of social media, I've pulled myself away from that aspect. Am I still here to have fun and gossip with Amish? Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, here we go. By, by <laughs> it means that Dolly is living reckless and Amish is, is guiding her onto the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what it the is. Messiah has spoken, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I mean, she's, I mean, she's just as, just a little devil, just, just, just like you are. And you're both just as bad as each other. Trust me, you're both just as bad as each other. I think. Uh, God, now, Dali, we, we, we really appreciate your time. Honestly, it's been, it's probably been out of the first season, the second season we've done. I've, it's probably up there with one of the best podcasts we've done. I think I really enjoyed this conversation. I really, really enjoyed you. Really, really enjoyed your company, your conversation. And you really bring almost like a, a calming aura, like speaking to you. I don't know if you guys feel the same. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, your, you know, your tranquility, your discipline, of course, comes and that energy is transferred across to everybody. Even in this particular conversation and understanding, you know, that we all go through the same things, you know, but just your discipline and your calmness has, you know, humbled us all. Sure. Definitely. I agree. Dolly, I have one question for you. I want to keep it very, very low key today. What are the top three restaurants in New York that everyone needs to visit before? Oh, Lord. (laughs) If you can name more than three, I know you might struggle to name just three, but, you know. Well, we have to mix it up, right? So yep. for uh, sushi, I would say sushi Nakazawa. 
Okay. Um, very good. And for a meat dish, probably, probably catch just for fun. They have um, a catch steak and then they have regular catch for seafood. And then you have to go to Halal Guys. So there's a, there's a third one. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard of these places. Corinne, uh, are, you, yeah. are, you, are you familiar yeah. with any of these names? Halal guys for sure. Yeah. Oh, and then okay. the sushi place as well. Like I say, Dolly, you know, if I come to New York, you know, <laughs> yes, yes, go out absolutely. for some sushi or something. Dylan, Dylan, can you imagine that Instagram will wake up to in the morning? Jesus. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I wish, I wish, man. I, I think, and, uh, bro, when we go to New York, I think we're going to be in for a bit of a surprise. We're going to be in for a bit of a surprise. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I've been, I've been looking and going to London, so maybe. Yes, yes. Come down, come down. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> come down, come down, come down for sure. Amish, Amish will take you to his favorite restaurant. It's, it's called Sexy Fish. No, it wasn't. All, it wasn't all that, you know. I wouldn't take Dolly there because she would. She would be. She, nah, but I'll tell you one one final story, right? So, I think this sums up our, our friendship very well. So it was a very very rainy, oops, I don't know, <laughs> evening in London, right? So Dolly meets me in in central London. And she's wearing the most mm-hmm. outrageous outfit. When it was these, outrageous. These fur slippers, and it's like pissing it down with rain. And I said, Dolly, are you are you actually feeling okay? And she, all she complained about for three days was how ill she was. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, look, we don't have a lot of time. It's, it's a bit of a thingy. So we got a booth at Nando's and Dolly had her first proper Nando's experience. So yeah, the bar was raised that night, I think. So um, yeah, that was good. It was good fun. Do they have a Nando's in uh, in America? They don't, do they? I don't. They, I, they don't. No, yeah. No, surprised actually. There you go, Dolly. If you want to, if you know, really make some serious money, open a Nando's in New open York. Open a Nando's. In New York. <laughs> open a Nando's. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm sure they've got. I'm, I'm sure America has like loads of good like meat, chicken spots and stuff. So Nando's will probably just like blend in with everything no, else. No, sure. no, 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 no. Really? You reckon? No, 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 no. no. It's, it's a world famous brand, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Internationally recognized, mate. International. Donnie, any final thoughts about life or any words of wisdom? About life? Enjoy it. Enjoy life. Take a moment to breathe and just Find your tranquility. It just will make you a much more even-keeled trader. Dolly, I feel, I, feel, I feel like you should be a uh, like a meditation spokesperson or something. Like you know, so someone that guy, <laughs> someone that like guides a yoga session or like a meditation practice. Because like honestly, I could literally just fall asleep to your voice. <laughs> audio book. Audiobook. Yeah, yeah, audiobook. You should release an audiobook or something because she's she's going to give Gurdjie a run for her money. I, know, I was literally thinking that. I was about to say, I'm about to say, put her Gurdjie on a podcast and it's over with. Everybody's going to we've got, we, we've got a guy in the Crypto Circle community, Dolly, called Gurdjie, and he's got like a really soothing voice. And every time we speak to him, we're like, oh my God, you need to do like a podcast or an audiobook or something. So you're giving him a bit of a run for, your, for, for his money. <laughs> podcast coming shortly a podcast do it do it do it do it, do it. We, we'll be the first guests yeah. <laughs>